Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 563. I think there's nothing more important in life than following your passion. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jump start a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jump start any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, David Wiener. David, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am fully ready to rock. Let's go. David Wiener is the president of David Wiener Ventures, where he operates a variety of business ventures, including M&M activities, where he consults with corporate clients. David has launched numerous businesses, products, brands since 1982, including SoundTube Entertainment, Landspeeder, a very cool recumbent bike, and he's worked with a variety of major corporations, including Ferrari, Nike, The Gap, Cannondale, MTV, and many others. He's the president and CEO of Seven Tunnels, an encryption technology company, and he spends a great deal of time creating fine art pieces, many with automotive themes. His Respect the Music Foundation works with students, adults, musicians, recording engineers, scientists, doctors, journalists, and many others to develop effective programs and charitable services. You are quite the Renaissance man, so we are going to learn a lot about you, David. But take a moment and share a little bit more with us about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Sure, Mark. It's great to be here, and uh, I'm really excited about what you're doing with your program. Cool. There's no question. There's a lot to talk about, and you know, I think the most interesting aspect of what I've done, if I can say something like that, is I've designed my career to be exciting. I chose long ago to work on exciting things, and that's just how it's panned out, and new things have come up, et cetera, and you, you know, I'll tell you about later, but it's all based on excitement, and most of that started with cars, and it actually started very young when I was about five, getting into looking at pictures of race cars, which led me to then want to build my own go-kart at a very young age, and at a time when my parents were saying, no, you can't have a go-kart, so <laughs> you know, I had to find unique ways to make that happen. I never say no, and... uh and so that led me to then in high school wanting to work on cars and having never touched a, an actual motor, I, I was a, had already become a Porsche freak and decided my first car was going to be a Porsche regardless of how I would pay for it. 
and, uh, you know, led me to become a maid, a dishwasher, a busboy, <laughs> many other things. Yep. And saved up, bought a wrecked 912 Porsche and had to rebuild it. And that led me to then deciding, well, that's not good enough. I've got to customize it. That led me to building custom Porsches, which led to a business doing similar work. And along the way, there was all kinds of car adventures, you know, from working for Kinetti Ferrari and building race engines to uh, working with Ferrari now over in Italy and working with Porsche, building uh, all kinds of cars, and and one of our latest projects is actually doing all the image and design uh, and sponsor programming for a major Porsche racing team. Wow. So the car thing has been long and exciting, and as you mentioned, one of the latest things I'm doing is taking a lot of my design and past uh, photography skill and making fine art, a lot of it, focusing around Formula One, Porsche, Ferrari, and, and other things as well. Well, Lisa Smith, a past guest on the show here, suggested that I talk to you, and she said, you're going to find David very, very interesting because this guy has touched all sorts of things in all different areas. So, well, I know we could talk for a long time here up front about what you've done, but we've got to get into some questions here first, and we're going to learn a lot more about you as we move through your journey of life, which sounds like it's been incredibly exciting. I always ask my guests for a mantra or a success quote, some kind of saying that's been important in your life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, David, take the wheel. Well, at at the risk of sounding trite, I do tell myself and I tell other people, my own kids, anybody, you know, you have to follow your passion. In my case, and I think it's true for a lot of people, if you're going to just chase dollars, it's not going to generally happen. But if you follow what you're passionate about, you go to work every day thrilled, good things happen, whether there are big dollars attached or not. You're just excited. Absolutely. To that end, you know, we've worked on so many things, almost all of them exciting, some of them very frustrating. And those, at the end, I would say, gee, if I'd known it was going to be this difficult, I would have focused that energy on cars. Because I know I'm absolutely passionate about that. If I'm going to suffer, I better be happy suffering. You know, I just interviewed the uh, the great car designer, worked for BMW for years and many others, Chris Bangle, who's, of sure. course, a well-known designer. And he said something very similar, that uh, the struggles that go into this, the creating things for people, especially on the big corporate levels he was working in, are so immense. But I love the fact that although it sounds what cliche or trite, as you said, follow your passion. It is so important, I think, is as we get older, uh, us old guys start to realize that and if we can pass that down. And that's what Cars Yeah is all about, is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. That's my mantra. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Very nicely said. I would love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. I know you talked about building that go-kart when you were, gosh, six, seven, eight years old, I think, something like that. But I would like you to tell us a story, that pivotal moment in your life when you really realized Oh, my gosh, I'm a car guy. (laughs) Well, you know, it started so young, but I have to say, and this obviously dates me, when I was in second grade, we moved from Westport, Connecticut, where I've spent all my young life. We spent two years in Manhattan, and I went to see Grand Prix, dying to see it when it was announced and it was coming out. Went to see it in second grade at a big... uh, 
what was it called? Cinescope, the big surround or, you know, surround screen, yeah. if you want to call it that. And I, you know, it just knocked me over. I mean, I was already in love with this stuff, but to see that opening sequence that John Frankenheimer did and, and then to watch the movie, all I can say is I've raised my three boys on that movie. <laughs> One of the first things they ever saw and they still love it. And they still say, Hey, dad, Grand Prix is playing at this famous theater in Beverly Hills, you yeah. know, and it's pretty funny. So, um, that, that was a big moment for me, but there've been so many that, you know, I just got so absorbed by cars and motion and wheels and it really took over a major part of my life and my career. Yeah. I remember seeing that movie at the La Jolla Cove theater for the first time when I was a little kid growing up in Southern California. And I kept going back over and over and. I think you mentioned it in your bio you sent me. Your dad couldn't figure out why you wanted to keep seeing the same movie over and over. My parents said the same thing. It's funny. I guess it's, you know, none of us had VCRs or VHS tape DVDs back then. And, no. and so the concept of seeing a movie more than once meant, you know, to him, it was, well, means going back to the theater, which is absurd, spending yeah. more money, which is absurd. And and what I did as a little kid, I would comb the back page of the newspaper they would get that had the TV listings. I combed it for one thing, to see when Grand Prix was going to show on TV, which it did mm -hmm. every six months or whatever it was. Right. And just to confirm that that was pivotal, you know, in second and third grade, I would sit on the end of my parents' bed all by myself in their room watching Grand Prix with my wooden steering wheel, a, a wooden <laughs> disc that was not a steering wheel, but I used it as one. And I had taken my peewee football helmet, cut the face mask off, much to the chagrin of my parents, <laughs> taped it up to make it look much cooler, and would sit there on the end of the bed with my feet sticking straight out with a wooden wheel and a helmet on. Oh, gosh. I hope your mom or dad has a picture of that. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Growing up as a, as a photographer, having done professional photography at a young age of motorsports, right. and now in this age of digital, everybody taking pictures seven hours a day, it's amazing how many pictures do not exist of the insanity that I was involved in. <laughs> yeah, wonderful memories for sure. Well, David, I would love to take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've created a life around creating businesses. You've created and built businesses, sold businesses. You've been involved in so many aspects of marketing and design and photography and racing and cars and, oh my gosh, just about everything. But I want you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way. Now, I guess being an entrepreneur, there's been a bunch of those, but I want you to take us to one, let us feel that pain, but most importantly, how did you overcome the situation? And even more important than that, what did it teach you? Yeah, well, you're right, Mark. You know, the fact is I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been doing this for over 30 years and started companies in various industries and launched all kinds of products. And in fact, I'm in the midst of writing a book about entrepreneurship oh, wow. and, and it's really the, the reality of entrepreneurship. It's not one of these glossy, glorified, oh, it's easy. Here are the 10 things you need to do and then you win. Right. This is more the how to keep driving yourself off a cliff out of total frustration and the realities of what these projects are like. And it's hard to pinpoint one project because almost, almost every business I've started because they've involved creating products that were innovative, which means people weren't ready for them or, or didn't know they needed them, 
to manufacturing, dealing with outsourcing and, and other people that had to be responsible, almost every single project had its major ups and downs, some more downs than others. And, you know, to your question, there have been so many times in so many of these projects, and I call them projects, they're really major businesses with employees and the whole thing, yeah. investors in some cases, where it got so painful, it was so stressful, people weren't doing what they needed to, the product wasn't doing what it needed to, the costs weren't doing what they needed to do. And by the time you're done, you're saying, oh my God, what the hell have I done? Why did I start this? I could have been off racing cars for less money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but then again, to your question, it's always a matter with me, it's always a matter of picking yourself up every single morning, even though you go to bed almost literally wanting to kill yourself or, you know, slit your throat and waking up and saying, okay, it's a new day. I can make this work. I'm going to brute force this thing and just try to be smarter than I've been mm -hmm. and get my team to be smarter than they've been and, and on and on and on. I just tend to live life you know, I compare it, and I did in my companies, I, I, I compare it to Formula One, where you're always racing right up till the, the, the lights go out and everybody starts. It's, you know, whether it's a trade show that you're setting up and you're just struggling and you're there till 3 a.m. setting up when everybody else has gone home right. because you want it to be perfect. And then it's perfect. And then the rewards come. So, you know, there's no one project, whether it was building recumbent bikes before I really knew what I was doing with manufacturing, whether it was building and selling professional audio gear around the world in an industry that I was passionate about music. But I would always say to myself, God, for this much work, why am I not doing this with custom Porsches or Ferraris or <laughs> racing yeah. or yeah. something? Right. Lots of struggles, lots of heartache, but also amazing successes. And as I said earlier, it's not always success around dollars. There is so much success that has nothing to do with money. It's, and I, I don't want to sound like a preacher because I'm not, I'm not Mr. Kumbaya. It's the excitement of doing something, getting it out into the public, having the public react, having them excited. That's what I, why I said I've designed my career to be exciting. And most of that has been getting customers and people who interact with anything I do to say, wow, that's amazing. That is success. So if there's one takeaway from what allowed you to wake up the next morning and carry on with sometimes the challenges and the, the pain that comes with this kind of thing, what was it? If you could pare it all down to one reason you kept doing it and you didn't just go get a regular job. Yeah. Yeah, which my wife, Kate, would have loved. She used to say, why don't you have just a regular paycheck? Yeah. I think it all boils down to this drive and ambition that I've had since I was a little kid. I just want to achieve stuff. I mean, it sounds goofy, but I love making things happen that everyone tells me can't happen, whether it's my parents <laughs> or my friends or teachers or the public. People would say, oh, you're crazy. They tell me that all the time. And I always said, thank you. That's my fuel. Keep it up, you know, because I'm going to prove you wrong in everything and, yeah. and every business. Oh, that can't work. And, you know, even to the point of selling companies where my own board would say, well, you can only get this much money for this. And I would say, 
yeah, watch me, you know, and sell it for three times that. Yeah. It was simply, I, I want to achieve stuff. I'm, I'm driven. I love doing stuff. There is no retirement happening. <laughs> no, not for entrepreneurs, that's for sure. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when the, the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new direction. You have gone down many, many roads, many paths, many journeys. But let's try to pick just one that was a, a huge aha for you that led you down a, a path to prosperity and success. You know, I don't want to burst any bubbles by doing this again, but there have been so many because of the nature of my work. If I had just stuck to one industry or one activity, you know, I'm sure there'd be more, but there'd just been so many. It was always seeing something and saying, I think I can do that better, or I think I can do that more exciting. I think I can create something people will love. And so the ahas were, and sometimes they were provided by those people, you know, when they saw my recumbent bikes from my thesis in college for the world speed record, and they'd see us riding them around for fun at the beach. And they'd say, where can I buy one? Where can I buy one? Where can I buy one? And like an idiot, I said, hmm, that's an aha moment. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I ought to make these. Maybe I should create these things. <laughs> Which then sent me down a swirling vortex <laughs> into the world of manufacturing and sales and marketing, which oh, yeah. ultimately was good. But, um, you, you know, there have been so many of these ahas. It's probably the real excitement. When, when I sold the SoundTube audio speaker company, that I started and built up, I decided after that, my aha moment was, gee, I've proven I can do great things in the audio world. And people know that. Now I want to show off in the sense of I want to build something really cool versus just something really good right. and effective. And that's when I had the aha, let me show some things to Ferrari. And that led to a partnership with Ferrari when you know, giant companies like Bose and JBL were courting them. Right. And they said, no, we'd rather go with David Wiener. And that... <laughs> now, who's that, that guy? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the interesting, really interesting sort of car story related to that is I went over there having worked for Ferrari, having designed all kinds of things, having lived sort of a Ferrari fanatic life from kid up through young adult. And when I went to them to propose or present this product concept, my presentation was so detailed with information about the Ferrari customer, the Ferrari business, the brand, the image, on and on and on, to the point that they said, wow, this guy actually knows more than a lot of our own people. And the proof of that was they ended up using my presentation in their presentation to the board of directors Wow! the following month. And I found out the following month and they used it before they had even told me they were going to use it. Ooh. They just took it. Luckily, we had a very good relationship, and I ended up working with Sean Todd. Uh, oh, wow. Who, you know, we became friends, and, and that was really exciting. I get, again, for all the car people in the audience, a, a great association, exciting business, exciting behind-the-scenes life and experiences. It's all of those things that are exciting. And, and again, going back to the aha, creating a product that was so sort of standalone, stand out. And as I say, it's a silly word, sort of show off, you know, our abilities with materials and design and technology and such to make, you know, this $20,000 incredible product. That was exciting. 
Wow. Very cool. You've got to hang out with some very cool people. Very intelligent man, Jean Todd. And those listeners out there that don't know who we're talking about, Google him and you'll be blown away. So very cool. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many because you've created so many cool things for people, clients and end user consumers. But is there one that stands out for you? You know, I'm going to get to be a broken record, I think, <laughs> for your, your audience. You know, I think about that a lot. In fact, as I'm writing this book, you know, I've been asked that question by some of the, the editors. And and the, the fact is, again, I feel like in a sense, it's kind of like a, a Formula One team. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what you did last year. It's what you're doing with your new car for next season. So every project, most every project, I should say, there's a lot of pride. It's whether it's the Porsche racing team and, and watching everybody say, wow, that not only does the car look great, the whole team stands out from the crowd, which is what we strive to do when we're designing for racing teams and yacht racing or car racing, whatever it is. But again, the Ferrari thing and being paraded around Ferrari as this designer, yeah. you know, and, and person creator, whatever, those are obviously very exciting and, and the pride and being taken out to meals with those people. You know, you sit there in these crowded Ferrari restaurants feeling very good about yourself. Right. But, but you know, the other thing that I, at the risk of sounding corny, some of the proudest moments are actually when my employees do well. And, you know, at SoundTube, we have 50 people. We're assembling hundreds of audio speakers a day for customers like Starbucks and The Gap and Old Navy and, and on and on. And those employees who started you know, at the low end, and even when they stayed in manufacturing and assembly and said, I'm buying a house, you know, that is a proud moment. Oh, yeah. And not to be corny or sappy, but it really is exciting when your team does well. Oh, yeah. It's really exciting. Oh, yeah. Nothing better than having an associate or employee walk in and say, look at the new car I bought, or we're having a baby, or we bought a house, or you know, we're doing something special this year, and we've never been able to afford to do that. So absolutely yeah. fantastic. Well, let's have yeah. a little bit of fun. I know you've owned a okay. lot of very cool cars, but I want you to go way back to your first really special car. Now, you talk about that 912, but there had to be another one later on that was like one that you finally got, and you went, man, i finally there. I've got the car <laughs> of my dreams. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I feel like that with just about every car, because- First, it was a 912, and then I finally made the jump to a 911. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I have a 911. <laughs> and, you know, I take home this crummy 911 that I could afford <laughs> at the time, yep. just like the crummy 912. I mean, the 912, I had to take the engine out the first day. It was that, you know, it, it was that in need of work. So, right. And I didn't know what I was doing. So a really proud moment there was, you know, bringing this car home, washing the heck out of it. And and getting it pristine only so you could see the terrible paint and upholstery better. <laughs> yeah. And then buying a uh, one of these climber service books and reading step by step. This is how you take out a nine twelve engine. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just looking at it like, oh my god, I can't do. This. You know, this is daunting. Right. And working your way through it. Yeah. And then the same with the nine eleven. I guess you know when I bought my first Ferrari, that was a pretty big turning point because I had worked for Ferrari in Greenwich right. at the hallowed Kinetti facility and 
worked with Yori, the hallowed, you know, the, the legendary mechanic for right. the NART team. Yeah. You know, so I was just, and I worked with Coco Canetti. I ran the Ferrari display at the New York Auto Show. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, and this is while I was still in college. <laughs> uh, so, so all of these exciting moments to finally buy a Ferrari. And at the time, it was a 1985 Mondial convertible, uh-huh. Cabriolet, whatever. You know, it, it was amazing. Yeah. And the, the funny part is the motor vehicle, I couldn't get my car registered in time. And I think I picked it up on a Friday. And I, of course, I was crazy to drive it. So I put a phony plate on it and drove at the <laughs> speed limit everywhere I went yeah. all weekend. Oh, yeah. You know, that's pretty embarrassing in a convertible red Ferrari. Yeah. You drive 25 miles an hour down a, a, a residential area and, and everybody's looking at you and honking like, what is wrong with this your idiot? problem, dude. <laughs> yeah. Another dentist bought a Ferrari. Yeah, a Ferrari dentist, exactly. Well, how about Sellers from Morris? You've also let some cars go, but is there one in particular you wish you had back? You know, the remorse I have is for a while I was on the side, not as my business per se. I was buying and selling Formula One cars. Ooh. And my remorse was I was always so busy with work that I kept putting off, oh, yeah, I'll drive this someday. I know I have it here. I'm renting them out for events and, you know, TV commercials, things like that, and just getting to look at them every day, you know, which is fun. But when I would end up selling them and say, God, I never actually drove that thing. What an idiot. So, you know, here I am. I could have said, yeah, I've driven a whole bunch of Formula One cars. And instead, I can say, I've driven zero Formula One cars. There's a lesson for our listeners out there, and I've talked about this with what we call garage queens. Take your vehicles out and drive them, even if it's down the back street. Just experience it because uh, there'll be a day you'll let it go, and as it goes down the street, you'll look at your wife or spouse or partner and go, I wish I'd driven that more. Or I wish I, in your case, I'd even driven it. Well, you talked about the book you're working on, but what else are you doing today that really has you excited and fired up in your business? Oh, boy, there's a lot. Um, the, the one that probably relates closest to your audience is we have been asked to continue designing for this Porsche racing team in the Pirelli World Challenge, Sloan Yuri Racing. And so we're, we're not only designing the cars and the, and the transporter and the, the uniforms, et cetera, but we do all the image work. And because of the level of what we've done for them and the reaction to it, they've asked David Wiener Ventures or DWV, as we call it, to sort of lead and develop their whole 2017 sponsor program. So wow. we're building, yeah, we're building the program and, and that comes not simply from design, but from a background of dealing with sponsors, raising money, having been sponsored, understanding what sponsors and customers and businesses want and need, and also understanding what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. They put their logo on a car and think, oh, this is great. And then they get to the end of the year and say, well, what really happened? What did I you get know, for what those thousands get? of dollars? And there is so much that can be gotten and we understand that, just like my story about understanding the Ferrari whole, you know, everything they do. Right. We understand 
motorsport sponsorship mm. and marketing and brand building and image and all of that and have done that for companies like the U.S. ski team and Nike and so on to do it in motorsport. I always use the phrase stand out from the crowd and we know how to make that happen. Nice. A lot of people claim that, but you go to a race and you say, well, gee, what's the point? What are you doing? Right. So, so that's exciting. We're, you know, working in motorsport, Working closely with Porsche is always thrilling for me because I'm just in love with, with that whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, at the same time, as you mentioned, I've been asked to, to be the CEO of, a, of an encryption technology company because of my background with business and technology wow. and brand built and something I never expected, but it's very interesting. You know, after 30 years of designing products and fashion and vehicles and taking them to market, all of a sudden you sort of wake up one day, as you said about aha moments, you wake up and you go, hey, wait a minute, I actually understand business. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do with that? The most important part of the whole equation. Yeah. And so, so that's interesting. But, you know, the artwork is really exciting to me because it combines my love of art and photography and technology. In ways that, you know, and by the way, as a car lover, and I'm sure you and your audience can relate to this, you want to hang artwork up on your wall. And there are very limited options in particular. There are very limited options that your spouse or partner might allow to be in your home versus in your garage or office. Yeah. And what I'm creating is really modern and abstract art that uses elements from cars, details. Sometimes you, you, the viewer can't even tell what it is. It's a part of a Ferrari or a reflection off the roof of a 911. Uh-huh. But you know that it is this car-themed piece of art, and it's something that people really seem to react well to. And I just had an opening in New York City wow. that was you know, really exciting. It was exciting for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I've made art, I suppose you could say, in various formats and media, but but never truly what I refer to as fine art, right. you know, not, not art that goes in a gallery. Right. And so that was exciting. Wow. You are so incredibly busy and involved in so many things. Uh, uh, it's just spectacular. Fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, David. If you were a car... What kind of car would you be? Yeah, you know, it's really an interesting question. And I think I would have to say a Ferrari Formula One car because it just fits with my all my mantras, all my my sort of the way I've run my my career and my life, even long before a career. Uh It's always been about performance and style and innovation, yeah. you know, creating something new and exciting that really works. And by the way, looks good. <laughs> Not that cool. I look good. I don't, <laughs> but, uh, but it's certainly who I would be if I was a car. There you go. Well, that's awesome. Well, David, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN 
Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, David, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to go into the Wayback Machine and say that it was Mr. John Cuccio, who was a former Ferrari race engineer who moved to Connecticut, and I got to know him as a kid. Uh-huh. He was the big man with the, the, the Daytona Ferrari cool. that I would see on the weekends. As I got out of high school, I decided to take a year off because I, I thought I wanted to go to college for photography, having done that professionally, realized that was silly given the level I was at, um, and decided I'm more interested in mechanics and engineering. So I decided to take a year off and then apply to engineering school. In the interim, I was looking for jobs, and I was offered a job at a body shop because of all the work I'd done on Porsches. And Mr. Cuccio said to me in his classic Italian accent, do not do that. That is a stupid waste of your time. And in retrospect, had I gone in there, not to mention breathing even more Bondo and and lacquer fumes, sure, I'm guessing that uh, it would have led me down a path that was a much lower bar. Yeah. Not yeah. I, I, I love body shops. I love working on cars. But probably doing it you know, nine to five or longer wouldn't have been the best use of my or best bet for my future. There you go. Now, would you share a personal habit that you believe has helped contribute to your success? Yeah, I've already mentioned this idea that, you know, I'm very driven. So I'm always ready for the next exciting thing. And along those lines, I'm very aware of the things around me. I'm always looking. I'm thinking about how can that be done better whatever it may be, and, that, and, and not to mention, how could I apply something from another whole activity or industry to this current problem? Very cool. I like that. Now, how about a resource? There are a ton of them out there, but let's narrow it down to one for the Cars Yeah listeners that you really enjoy. I have to say, I'm not a big web surfer, but I, I, I devour magazines, I devour images, and I'm constantly tearing. I used to tear things out of magazines, even in the library. Don't tell anybody. No, we won't. But, and now, now with a, a cell phone, I can take pictures and file it away. But I'm mostly an infomaniac, you know, trying to get information and gather it up. So there's, there really isn't any one place I go because, you know, I'm reading magazines from cars to engineering to audio to fashion to architecture and on and on and on um it's really mine is more just a i'm all over the place and i'm always looking well you mentioned reading how about a book i'm i assume you read lots of books you've read lots of books but is there one maybe recently you've read that you'd like to share with the cars listeners recently i read elon musk's book which Ah. i thought was really interesting in particular for me because of his entrepreneurial adventure. But I have to say the one book I tell everybody is the book to read is The Fountainhead, an old, old, old classic Ayn Rand, yeah. uh, that I, I used to buy and give to my employees to read. Mm-hmm. And it was all about 
the idea that, you know, being creative and innovative and understanding your subject. Yeah. And, you know, I liken it to, to the, the architects who have never picked up a hammer or nails or don't know how to wire something. And so they design things. And, and after the fact, the subs get there and say, well, this can't be plumbed. <laughs> yes. This can't be wired. We just wasted $3,000 in wood because you made it one foot longer. So I, I just think stuff like that is really important for people to think about. Yep. And, and, you know, I said, follow your passion, but you need to understand what you're doing. Yeah, that book, I uh, gave that book to my son his first year in high school, and he just devoured it and just loved it and the whole concept. And as we mentioned in our pre-show chat, he just graduated with an industrial design degree from RISD and is off to his first job this week, which we're, of course, so proud of. And yeah, that's an awesome, awesome book. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources on David's personal show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type David Wiener into the box, the search box. That page will pop up. There's another great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the past 562 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, David, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. It's a tough one for a guy like you. If you could have only one collector car in your garage but don't worry about the price i'll buy you whatever you'd like <laughs> thank you you're welcome what would that vehicle be and more importantly why you know growing up loving porsches and following all the racing in the 70s so closely i've always been in love with the porsche 934 Ooh, okay and i say that car because that's a car i could see finding a way to drive it on the street. You know, a Porsche 962, ultimate dream car, but that's not very reasonable for street life. Right. And, uh, you know, that or an old Ferrari. But yeah. uh, there's something about the 934 and those very unique fender flares that always got my attention. Yeah, fantastic choice. I love those cars as well. 911s are my favorite, Mark. David, you've taken us on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your stories. I think we could talk for hours. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the mountain roads up there in Park City in that Porsche 934? Yeah, I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's nothing more important in life than following your passion. Trust and believe in what you like. But be honest with yourself and understand what you're doing and be realistic. Don't, you know, as I always say to inventors, groups and, and such, if your mother tells you you're a genius, that doesn't mean a whole lot. So be realistic, you know, but, but follow your passion and your dreams and, you know, wake up every morning and find a way to make it happen. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you? Uh, well, we have a, a website, dwv.com, and that's dwv, like David Wiener Ventures. Okay. So uh, dwv.com is our, our corporate business site. Mm -hmm. And then my artwork is at davidwienerart.com. Awesome. And, uh, you know, or just Google me, I suppose. Yep, absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great things that David has been so kind to share, again, on his show notes page at carsyeah.com. Just type David in the search bar. That page will pop up with those links. I encourage you to check out what he's up to. This guy has his hands on a lot of stuff. You're going to have some fun. David, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Carsyeah listeners. 
Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thanks very much. It's really been fun. I could talk about cars forever. I think so. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.